Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from Quick Book Reviews. Two author interviews, five book reviews. How are you all doing? Well, I thought I was doing fine. I'd invested in a new set of weighing scales. And I don't mean for the various ingredients I would casually throw into something I'm cooking. No, I mean for me and my weight. So I have this app on my phone and I've got these new scales and it's supposed to upload all this incredible information. And apparently I was told, oh, it makes a noise as it uploads. I was like, oh, this sounds great. So picture the scene, got on the scales, waiting for it all to sync up. And I was expecting something, I don't know, a bit like a Disney effect with some nice fairy music. Or, I don't know, something uplifting, something that really recognises what I'm trying to be healthy, even though I keep failing. I just really would put me in a good mood. Whatever the whatever the weight, whatever the results, each their own. I just I just want something to acknowledge where I am. And this, I've recorded it for you because I needed you to hear this. This is what they played. Can you believe that? Can, is, it, is it just me? What, why would they play that sound? It sounds like they're saying, <laughs> give up now, you tent on Tessie. And uh, and don't bother. It was almost like it was, I'm sorry, but this app is for athletes only and you don't fall into that category. It reminded me of those things at the fun fair where you used to get a big hammer and wallop a thing to see how heavy, how hard you could hit it. It just, it wasn't what I was expecting. It didn't make me feel good and I didn't like it. But there we go. What I did like are my lovely books. Oh, I've got some great books to talk to you about. So first of all, we've got My Other Husband by Dorothy Coombson. And Dorothy's coming on to talk to us about that book. Then we've got Together Again by Millie Johnson. And Millie's coming on to answer five questions in five minutes. We've also got The Herd by Emily Edwards, The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich and The Gifts by Liz Hyder quite a selection of books. Some of them I absolutely love. Well, I love them all. One, one I had issues with, but we'll, we'll get on to that later on. Anyway, so let's get started. My Other Husband by Dorothy Coombson. You will have heard of Dorothy. If you haven't heard of Dorothy and you like crime books, how can you say you like crime books? Dorothy has written many. Um, let me read the blurb on this one. 
Cleo Forsom is a best-selling novelist turned scriptwriter whose TV series The Baking Detective is a huge success. Writing is all she's ever wanted to do and baking and murder have proved to be a winning combination. But now she's decided to walk away from it all, including divorcing her husband Wallace before her past secrets catch up with her. As Cleo drafts the final ever episodes of the series, people around her start getting hurt and it's soon clear that someone is trying to frame her for murder. She thinks she knows why, but Cleo can't tell the police or prove her innocence because then she'd have to confess about her other husband. Right, let's do first sentence. Chapter 1, 8th of August 2022, offices of Burfield & Co, Brighton, afternoon. You really didn't have to come into the office to see me about your divorce. You do realise that, don't you, Ms Forsom? I nod. I know, I know I could do it all online, that it'd be cheaper and probably quicker, but I didn't want a paper trail or online trail. Yeah, I mean, Dorothy is just such um, a proficient crime writer. It's just excellent. And this one, this book is another excellent story. But enough about me. Let's talk to Dorothy now. Dorothy Coombson, whose latest wonderful book is My Other Husband. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Well, two million copies sold, translated into 30 languages. I mean, crikey, you... You've written a book or two, it's it's fair to say. Obvious first question, what gave you the idea for this book? That was based on thinking about what I write, the fact that I'm a writer and I sometimes kind of dispatch people in quite horrible ways. And I thought, what if this started happening to me in real life? What if, in reality, the things I write about started coming true and someone was doing this to kind of set me up for murder? But I couldn't... There'd be a reason why I couldn't tell the police... Um, that I was innocent and proved that I was innocent because then I'd have to explain who I did think was doing it and um, and some sort of stark secret, some deep sort of sinister secret from my past. And um, I came up with the idea for the character, Cleo, to have been married in the past and to have a connection to a murder that's been unsolved in the past as well. And once you got that idea, were you really excited to to write it because it's such a great concept yeah I'm, I'm excited to write all my books so yeah I was really excited um <laughs> I always start off going yeah it's gonna be really easy I've got this great story and then by the end of it I'm like oh, this is really hard why did I decide to do this because um <laughs> yeah you start off kind of all hopeful and thinking yeah this is gonna be easy and you're gonna whiz it out and I don't know why I think that after 18 books I've never whizzed out or banged out a book in my life but I, every time I keep thinking, this is a book I'm going to do this with. I'm just going to just going to sit down. It's just going to flow. And I'm just going to be there. It's going to be finished in no time. And it never, ever works out like that. Is it true about hitting the 30,000 word mark that that's at the point that every author thinks, oh, no, this book is, is, not, is not happening? Oh, maybe it is. I don't know. I've, I've never, I don't, um, I know this horrifies a lot of writers. I don't actually write in order. So I don't, I don't. Ah. write in sequence so I don't start at the beginning and then um work my way to the end I sometimes start at the end and work my way back or sometimes start in the middle and go each way forward and back so I don't actually keep that much of a eye on how much I've written um the word count so I will have which is quite ironic because I started word count Wednesday where people tell me their word count um 
I um I do kind of sometimes note down what it says at the bottom of my Word document, the number, and then I'll add it to um my notes function, which is what I add it up. And then at some point, I'll sit there and say to my husband, if I don't note it down, I'll open up all the documents I've got, and I'll say to my husband, can you get the calculator out and we'll and I'll read out the numbers to him and then he'll add it all up and he'll go to me, so what do you think you've done? And I'll go, ooh, well, maybe about 40, 45. And here we go, yeah, you've done 95, so you better wrap it up soon. <laughs> and so are you plotting a lot before you start writing? Because to be able to work forwards and backwards, that's a, a really unique way of writing. Um, no, I'm not really plotting. I don't, I'm not a plotter in the way that other people are plotters. I kind of know what needs to happen I'll start the book I know what needs to happen I know what the story is the sort of like the start of the story um but as I say to people all the time don't wait for inspiration to start writing or don't wait for the whole plot to be in your head before you start writing because you won't you just you just delay it and delay it and delay it so what I do is I I'll start writing I'll have the idea I'll know where I've where I am and I've scenes in my head that need to be written and I know sort of what the end game is where I need to get to with the story and I'll start writing and a bit like life you know how life takes all these twists and turns and so I I'll go with these twists and turns I often know what needs to happen to get to the end to make the story work but then as I said like with life things will come in and completely veer me off course and I'll be like, okay, I've got to go with this because this is where the story is taking me and this is what's more realistic. Um, for example, with my other husband, that wasn't kind of really the planned ending, but it kind of, that ending came to me and I was like, yeah, this is how it needs to end. This is what needs to happen. So, um, yeah. It's just so interesting. Do, and do those characters stay with you when you finish writing? Oh, yeah, especially the ones I kill off. Your... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> especially, yeah, the ones you kill off, you kind of go, okay, maybe I should have done that to them. Do you think maybe I should have not done that? Especially um, especially with my other husband, the, the people who <laughs> I kind of bump off in the that. power you have. I know. Well, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Um yeah, all my characters stay with me. That's all point is that you you create these people. It's almost like creating a whole world for yourself, and you and you kind of think about the people who mm. are in your world. Yeah, absolutely. So, which part of the book did you enjoy writing most? Is it more the people side or the crime side? Oh, I loved all of it. I really enjoyed myself. I enjoyed it because it was quite funny as well. I wanted it to be, it to be funny, and I wanted to have lots of humour. As well as, as I, you know, I, one of the things I set out to do, I don't actually set out to to do much in my books. I, I set out to tell a good story. That's the basic. But with this one, I wanted to tell a story that was really quite scary in the sort of thriller way, but also quite funny as well. So I wanted the people to laugh as well as being like, oh, my goodness, what? And she's not going to do that, is she? She's not going to kill that person off. Um, So I... Yeah, I enjoyed all of it. I enjoyed creating the characters, some of the one-liners, um, indulging myself in the 90s with uh, Saved by the Bell, etc. Yeah, I, quite, I enjoyed all of it. <laughs> and are you visualising the scenes as you're writing them? Because they seem quite visual to me as I was reading it. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. They, come, they kind of come into your head, but they come into my head as words as well as pictures. You know, they, 
particularly the conversations, they, um, conversations, a lot of them are words, you know, to and fro in my head about how the person's saying it and what they're saying and what, why they're saying it, but also what's the end goal for saying it? Because as with a lot of things, people have one conversation, meaning they're having a completely different conversation. And it's kind of important for a book for that to happen quite a lot, for people to think they've been, for pe- to lead people down one path, but they're really going to a completely diff- different destination. But also for them to have the opportunity to actually work it out, if that makes sense. They, you know, that they, that it's all there for them to work out if they, if they can. Yeah, or we fail. <laughs> we fail badly. And I love the pace of the book. Is that something that takes a lot of editing, or does the pa- is the pace just there as you're writing it? You know, the ups and downs, the faster times, the slower times. Sometimes it's. I mean, every like everything, you get better with experience. You get better at understanding it with experience. And I don't mean just mean writer experience. I mean read experience. You know. The more you read, the more you get an idea of what you can do with a book and where you can take it and how the things you can do, the things you can't really do, the things you can't do, but you can find a way to do. Um, so I think pacing is something that comes with time. Um, so I'll read books, first or second novels, and you can see that the pacing isn't always there, but... That doesn't take, for me, it doesn't take away any of the enjoyment. I love reading and I love um, reading all types of books. And so if someone has written a book and they're not very experienced, I always think, well, this is fantastic. This is such a great start. I can't wait to read what they do next because I love to, one of my favourite things to do is to follow somebody on their writing journey to see how they progress. Um, So with my own writing, I can see how, you know, I look back at my, some of my earlier books and I think I would not write that now in that way. I would change this. I would take this out. But I think it's really important as a writer to be a reader. So when you're, when you've written your book, you need to step back from it and read it as you would somebody else's book. And that will give you an idea of what doesn't work and it steps you out of being too close to the story um and if you if you can do that it makes your life a lot easier when it comes to dealing with other people because you're going to have so many other people working on it so many other people with their opinions on it and if you can be the first person the first line of of editing and stepping back and going that doesn't need to to be there this bit, although I love writing it and I think it's beautiful language and I think it's the best thing I've ever written, which I think a lot of times, this is the best thing I've ever written. I'm winning awards for this. This is going to get me onto the booker. And then I'll step back and I go, really? We don't need five pages describing a leaf. It's got to go. But that's for my type of book, for my type of book where the pace and, you know, we need to keep going and we need to keep people reading. Um, Yeah, but for other people... Um, the pace is a different thing. It's, it's um, necessary in a different way. So, um, yeah, you get used, you get, you learn. As you, as the more you do it, the more you kind of, you learn. So You're certainly skilled at your craft. Now, we've got some quick fire questions and these are for you as a writer rather than this one okay. book. 
crime or thriller? Um, I don't have to choose, so I'm going to choose both. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see what you say to the next one. Lots of edits or no edits? Oh, I love editing. Lots of edits. I love editing. It's the best part of writing for me. The best part. I can just throw it all on the page and then I can just cut it all out and rip it apart and then put it back together. That's the best. (laughs) The power. Book cover or book title? Uh, you can't have one with the other about the other. I know it. it I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not copying out of it like I did with the other one. This. The thing is, there was a phase when people were reading more ebooks and stuff, um, mm. so you couldn't see the cover, um, and okay. on on the tube and the train and buses like that. And I mean, it's been a while since I've started. I've commuted, but before when I did commute. Absolutely, the cover. You could see what a book was about, mm. what sort of book. And and then you'd walk, you'd get off the train or you'd get off the bus and you'd walk past a bookshop, you'd walk past um, any other place and you'd see that cover again. And and then, you'd, you know, you kind of understand, oh, maybe I might, I might try that. That might be for me. Mm. Um, so, and the same with, cover, with the titles. I know with my, my Best Friend's Girl, my third book, we um a lot of people picked it up because of the title and the cover you know they picked it up they hadn't heard of me they had I mean my name was irrelevant and that my name is tiny if you see my early covers my name is tiny and it's a sign of success how big your name gets onto the cover you know the more successful you become the bigger your name becomes on the cover and the smaller the title gets because it becomes irrelevant after a while but before you get to that superstar status <laughs> You need a good cover and you need a good um, you need a good title. Well, you're not selecting one, but I agree with your rationale. So, OK, we'll let that one go. Audio book or e-book? They're completely different things. Which and would you, you listen to more or read more? If you I, couldn't read a printed version. Oh, you do you know what? Again, I'm not having this. I'm not having this. <laughs> oh, no. No, she's, because she's pointing no. a finger at me, listeners. She's I know I'm pointing my at finger at you because I'm not having this. <laughs> Do you know what? Recently, there's been so much talk about whether audiobooks are, re- are actually reading a book. And, and I'm not entertaining this. If I choose, then that kind of gives the impression that I'm choosing... Um, I think one way is better than the other. No matter how people consume a story is important. So, Okay, fair fair enough. The last quickfire question, and I'm quite worried now when I say this (laughs) one. (laughs) At the end of the book, do you type a final full stop or do you type the words the end? I type the end for, for the socials so people can see that I've finished. But then you have to delete it again because they always delete it uh, when they copy edit. I'm sure the editors they get it and they're like, oh, for God's sake. Have they not noticed that every single time I, sh- I slice it out, <laughs> so your editor <laughs> always strikes it out. And if your editor doesn't, the copy editor will. So, you know, I do it for the socials and then I delete it to, to not annoy people. <laughs> Uh, well, let's talk publication process. Is that as stressful as it was with your first book? Has that changed? 
I'm not going to pretend that my first book was like set the world on fire or troubled anybody in any shape or form. Um, apart from me going to bookshops going, have you got my book? I didn't do that at all. But um, it's always, it's, it's stressful and it's exciting. It's all the emotion. There's all these different things. There's the worry about how people are going to receive it. There's the worry about how if people are going to buy it. There's the worry about whether bookshops are going to take it and it's going to be in as many bookshops so that people can find it. Because remember, people have got to find it to be able to buy it. And then there's also the worry that this is the last book you're going to be able to do because you know, would I be able to write another one? Um, and will my publishers take it? If this one doesn't do well, are they going to um, are they going to commission the book from me? So there's all those things. And so in the run-up to publication, what authors are doing now, a lot of them are kind of focused on, is getting pre-orders, trying to get people to buy it beforehand so that the, the bookshops will go, actually, do you know what? I might take a few more of these copies rather than just um, just the, the, the set number that I was going to take, if I was going to take it at all. So... Pre-publications become really quite stressful for a lot of authors. But you've also... The other strand of what I'm trying to say is it's really exciting because you've spent all this time doing something. You've worked so hard on it that you want it to be out there. You want the world to see it. You want the world to read your story. You want the world to find out how crazy you are in your head, um, like me, the, the, the crazy things that come into my head that I put on the page. Um, so there's lots of things. So it's... It's always been stressful, but for me, the, the when I was first getting published and I had no expectations and no one had any expectations, it wasn't as stressful as it was, but it was in a different way. You know, like I say, you know, my first book didn't trouble anybody the first time round. I mean, it's been republished um, twice now, so, it, and it did much better, obviously, the third third time after I'd had my success with um, my best friend's girl and marshmallows for breakfast and all that, all the, all those books. Um, so the run up to it, yeah, it's stressful, but it is stressful in any job, any big project you do in any job, it is stressful. And I have to stress that again, it is a job. And much as I feel very fortunate that I love my job and my job is part of something that's a big part of me, which is reading and books it's still a job and I have to be focused on that and I have to treat it with the respect that I would with any other job you do. So, and expect other people to treat you with respect and for them to treat you with respect is to buy your book, you know, and to invest their time and their money in your book. And that's why whenever I write a book, I try to make it the best book I've ever written because I want to respect the people who spend their hard-earned money on what I do. And there were issues for people getting hold of your book and not just yours, but, um, you know, there was the shrinking bookshelves at supermarkets, the Waterstones problems that people might not be aware of. That that has an impact as well. Yeah, it always has. And and again, and that is there's so many books published every year and there's so little shelf space and so little review space. And that's the other thing, you know, I mean, things like your podcast, which is are great for people like me. And, you know, social media, it's so loud out there and you're at the mercy of the algorithm. So, yeah, so, and that's why I, I made a couple of posts on social media telling people that there, there are other places, you know, independent bookshops, they, 
usually your best bet for getting a book that you've heard about that you can't find in the supermarket, ring up an independent bookshop, your local independent bookshop. And I'm aware that there aren't that many in people's, you know, areas. But your local one, ring them up and they'll order it for you. Or look online at places like Hive or bookshop.org who are linked to independent booksellers as well. Um, there's obviously the biggie, Amazon, and then there's Waterstones. Some of the books are getting through now. There was a, a lag um, when they were updating their computer system. Um, yeah, there's lots of places. You just have to look for them. It's not as easy as walking into the shops as it was, as it used to be. And part of that came from, um, you know, when we were in lockdown, lots of people still got their books. It's just... You just have to look for it rather than thinking you're going to be able to walk into the shop on the high street and buy it. And I should just before we finish this, mention that you've been the judge for the Women's Prize for Fiction this year. I mean, that that must have been a, an incredible thing to be part of. That's great. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's finished now and it's coming to the point where they're going to choose the next lot of judges. But um, yeah, it was great. I know I had to read all these books. It was hard work. I'm not going to pretend it wasn't. And at some point you go, wow, I've still got this much of, book, uh, of books to read. And, um, and also at the end of it, you've got to judge them because there were so many good books. Oh, so many good books. And then you have to kind of cut it down. And it's really sad because some of the books that you absolutely love, that they just don't make it to the long list or the short list. And you're like, oh, but I love this book. Um, so, yeah, I was... I was very honoured and also very excited. And I, I, I really enjoyed myself. It's actually quite weird after I finished because I was like, oh, I don't have to read anything. I've got a, a huge to, to be read list, but I don't, I don't have to read anything if I don't want to. Or you can choose what you want to read yeah. as well. But well, we choose to read your book. So Dorothy Coombson, whose latest book is My Other Husband. Thank you so very much. Oh, thank you as well. Coming up, we've got another short interview and more book reviews. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. 
My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Next book is by Millie Johnson, Together Again. I remember the first book of Millie's I read was one, it was based on a cruise ship, and um, I don't know how long ago it was. My head saying 20 years. I think it's something like that. But I remember enjoying it so much. Uh, really good. Well, do we say emotional fiction these days or commercial fiction? Anyway, whatever. The stories, good stories. And this one is another great story. So buckle up because this is an emotional journey. Jolene, Marsha and Annis have convened at their beautiful family home, Fox House, following the death of their mother, the cold and impenetrable Eleanor Vamplew. Born seven years apart, the women are more strangers than sisters, but working together to arrange the funeral and pack up the house, they begin to open up to each other and bond, despite the bomb their mother has thrown in their midst. And let's go for the first sentence, chapter one. The girl they all knew as Mai walked down the stairs with her rucksack, carrier bag and pet transporter. There was a crescent of women waiting there in various stages of upset, ranging from silence to crying. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just just when it comes to emotions, Millie can write and... Well, she's got so much to say. We have just recorded the interview and I know normally it's five minutes. You have to forgive us. It's about 10. But what I I felt like what Millie had to say really needed to be said and heard. And we were just having such a lovely chat. So bear with us. But here are the five questions in a little bit more than five minutes. Millie Johnson, whose latest wonderful book is Together Again, Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Philippa. It's, I'm delighted to be here with you. I am thrilled having read your books for so many, many oh. years. Your first question, though, just to put you on the spot. Yes. Can you describe your book in less than a minute? Oh, crikey. Uh, if I speed talk, um, it's about <laughs> it's about three sisters who are all estranged. They're all seven years apart, uh, born seven years apart, have never really bonded and um, they have to convene for the death of their mother, who none of them got on with, was a really a narcissistic person, but they have to break up the house, uh, say goodbye to their mum, and the mother has done something really weird and left the whole of her fortune to the youngest daughter, who she particularly hated. And so it's all about these three women over three weeks trying to make um, some sense of their life together and rebuild has too much damage been done so that they can't go forward? I is that um, if if that was an elevator pitch, what floor are we on? Probably about five hundred and sixty. <laughs> if I caught Steven Spielberg in a lift, he'd be trapped there for <laughs> days. You know, <laughs> you'd be pressing the red button. I, I would. And, uh, he'd be keeping the lift. Oh, it'd up. be ringing for maintenance and you know the police and everything. <laughs> Some military probably. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was great. Now your next question. Yes. Who yes. was your favourite major and favourite minor character to write in the book? In this one, right. I, The favourite minor character um, was um, someone um, called Daz Manel, who um, my, I was given a lot of money for my charity for this guy who said, will you write a character with 
my name. Um, and uh, and I said, yeah, I can do that. You know, it was that was worth um, doing it. And and I've done this a couple of times. It's always worked out really well. So um, the the minor character um, is is this kind of big, quite gruff guy who has um, just lost his dog in the vets. He's feeling very raw, and that brings him into the story. But as usual, you you never plan where these minor characters go. They're they're cameos, and they end up sometimes almost taking over the book. Um, now I'm a massive kind of monkeys fan, retro fan, and I thought, God, I'm going to put this guy in a in a in a monkeys tribute band, and he became more rounded and more fun, and just lovely. You know, I I really loved him. I um he he was much bigger than I thought he was going to be and ended up becoming a love interest. The major character, um, there are three sisters, and the youngest is called Anis, who um, the, the name is... is um, I, I've, One of my son's friends was called Anis, and I thought, what a beautiful name that is. And I kind of fitted Anis's personality around that name, um, and I really loved writing her. The three sisters were always meant to take their share of the centre stage. But I think Anis was pushed that little bit more forward into the limelight. And I really enjoyed writing her. She'd been battered and put around the ring, I suppose a bit like me, really, which is why I probably had a bit more empathy with her and and became so much wiser um, for her experiences. So that's my major and minus. I'm always interested when you write um, more emotional books, does it leave you at the end sort of a a wrung out wreck or does it actually help you yourself and do you feel better? The best example of this that I can give you is the one before, the the woman in the middle, which is about a woman in the sandwich generation, which very much reflects, you know, my life. And and I found myself writing um, wisdom from one of the characters there saying, you know, with your your mum, just be a little bit more patient. You know, it doesn't matter if you can't remember, you know, um, what order things come in. Does it matter? Do you need to correct her? And I was thinking this, but it was almost like the character was teaching me, the real person, how to act. And I've obviously projected all this wisdom that is stuffed down inside me and it's bounced back at me. It's It was a very weird thing, but I know it's not um, unheard of because that happens when you're writing books sometimes. It sorts out your head. Um, and I can be as wrung out writing um a book which is more humorous than um, tragic, uh, and and be, but because I suppose if you have a lot of comedy in your books, it's counterbalancing the tragedy. And even though you might not realise how much tragedy you've got because the the the, uh, the comedy is, is is shining a light on it, you're you're still going through the ringer with them. This one has um, more darker themes than lightness it still has got but I was very wrung out at the end I have to admit I I wanted to get it right and I think it's the effort as well from the writer I want to get this right I I couldn't have let it leave my hands unless it was right and I struggle with this one because as I say it's very it it has got some very dark themes in it and I and I thought I'm not gonna I'm just not getting this right kept editing and editing and editing and then as always at the 11th hour thank goodness please may that continue it's like you find your way in and and everything seems to come together um, with a massive glob of relief thank goodness and yeah I think I was wrung out by 
relief, thank goodness I've got it, which was good because I got paid then, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's with me for another year, you know, wave goodbye. They don't give you any yeah. uh, concessions on that one, you know. So I was mightily relieved on all fronts. Yes. <laughs> Well, talking about emotions, my next question is very much linked to that. What do you want us yes. to feel when we're reading this book? I would like, I always like my readers to identify with characters, and they always do, whether that's lighter characters, whether that is more tragic characters. I know I will get a glut of letters from people, sadly, in the position of these girls who who are unloved. They've been brought up without any love. And I, I know that, I just know that there are so many women out there, um, because I've spoken to quite a few of them to get the book right, and they grew up without love, um, but they still manage to become loving people themselves and break the pattern and have raised their own children in in very much different way. So it, with me, it is, it is always, I, I want people to feel, if they are in that position, that was me and they take they they take comfort from a template of a fictional person which sounds bizarre they 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 see your people as real and they think well if they've got over that then I can get over it even though these picture these people are, are fictional um but they see them as real and um and I, I want with all my books I want people to feel that whatever they've gone through in their life there is there is always a sunshine hiding behind the clouds and that they can get over anything hope is the one thing we should always have and um i i want i, I don't want people to feel um that they relate to it because if they do then they've obviously been put through the ringer but the other half of me the kind of evil part says well i hope that if you have you'll write to me and tell me about it i think i will i think i'll have a lot of people who are in have been in this position you know you read about it in papers don't you when you've been brought up yourself with love and full cupboards and warmth it, there comes a point where you get to a sort of teenage life or whatever and realize that you've got some mates who really have had bad upbringings and they haven't had those basic needs met i imagine the queue for signings for book signings with you is is very long because people have experiences that they want to talk to you about as they see you they they do and they say oh, oh there's a queue i'll not keep you long um but and then they do but <laughs> once they start it starts to unravel so i'm not the sort of person that says i'm sorry you know, move on, or one of my minders moves them on. Very, you know, be a privilege. People want to tell you their stories, and so you know, if it goes on for about an hour, then I might have to say, look, you know, can we talk in a bit? But it never has. It's people don't mind in queues being slightly inconvenienced. I think, and a lot of the people who see people at the front talking think, oh, well, that gives me the opportunity to tell my story, and they do, and and you know, they tell you some great stories and. And and they they kind of stock up in your head as as almost future plots sometimes. I'm sure. Now your next question. This is a slightly different one. What food and drink did you consume when you were writing together again? <laughs> what was powering the writing of it? Powering writing as um, 
to, as usual, an awful lot of coffee. I do have a lot of coffee. And I'm a natural tea drinker, especially now that um, Yorkshire Tea have brought that, the one with the biscuits and the, the jam flavouring. It's my favourite one, the biscuit brew. How, Love how it. How have they done that? How have they done that? It actually tastes like, you know, you've left some residue of a rich tea in there, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. A lot of coffee. Uh, with this one... Um, with the last one, it was I got a real taste for rose and violet creams, uh, which I, I always thought were a bit of a nana chocolate, you know, but I, I, I was addicted. This good old standard fruit and nut, Cadbury's fruit and nut. Um, I, in fact, I've got still some left in my drawer now, I think. My, my, every time my, my other half went out, look, it's always fruit and nut. <laughs> yes. I'm not, so with the next book, it'll be something else. I, I'm already, I think, edging onto whole nut as I'm writing the next one. Uh, but, yes, fruit and nut. I, I, I think I, I sort of bankrolled Cadbury's during the writing of this book. If they, if, they rec- <laughs> if they record major profits this year, you can thank me for that because, you know. Well, I always consider, you know, a lot of their chocolate is fair trade, so I consider it charity work to, yeah, to be eating Cadbury's. Oh, my goodness. You know, I've I just made me want to buy a load more bars now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's yes. my it's my volunteering. It's what I do. It's yeah, great what we can, isn't it? What we can do in our brains and, and sort of like, oh, that's that's almost like compulsory to have it, isn't yeah. it? Now, <laughs> and for me, fruit and nut is there's raisins yes. in it, so that's a health food. I'm afraid. Yes, one of so your, that, one of your five a day. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Anyway, your last question. Sorry, what's been your most memorable moment so far in your writing career? Um, you know, there's been some really big things that have happened, some really nice awards, etc. Um, and I, um, I think the one thing that stands out is that I always thought these big things, these big markers along the way would be the real important ones. Like when you get your first deal, I thought that would be the pivotal moment. And of course it is. It is a pivotal moment. But I think for me, it came in just after I'd written book three or round about the time when book three came out. And it was finding that I'd got a readership, that some people had read my books and enjoyed it enough to read book two and were now writing to me to say, when's your next book out? And and it was that little start of the readership building that you've got people who have stayed with you. Some, you know, some will drop by the way, they read you first, don't like the second one, bye-bye, you'll never see them again. But by the third, the ones that are going to stick with you are now asking you when the next book is coming out. And it's like, steady on, love, because they've read your third book in a night... And are now asking you the next day, the day after publication, when's your next one coming out? Which is an enormous compliment. And I think that moment sticks in my brain when someone wrote to me that they'd read it on the day of publication and said, and I thought, oh my God, I've got I've got a readership starting. Mm-hmm. And nobody had told me about that. They told me about, oh, this marvellous, you know, this glitzy, got a deal, you've got an agent. But nobody said that the important one would be people sticking with you. And that that is, I think, is my standalone. I mean, you know, I've had some lovely, some great awards, you know, a, a wonderful glitzy nights, but but that one is a 
is is the one that to me is is highlighted in gold but that's wonderful because we as readers love authors and it's wonderful that you know the authors love their readers as well it's what makes it all so special i've just been writing a piece um for um the local rag about this you know if if it weren't for my readers i would just be a you know an unpaid hobbyist you know we are we are only mm. as good as, as our readers make us um and my my lot my god they're like an army um that they are wonderful they've stuck with me they've sent um their my books out to their relatives in australia and new zealand they've bought them for friends asked me to sign them and they have built me from the ground up i'm beyond grateful beyond grateful well that is wonderful and we'll end it there but i can't wait to talk to you again millie johnson whose latest book is together again thank you so much for joining me today Oh, thank you, Philip. It was a joy. Thank you. So those are the interviews. Let's get on with three more books that I've got to tell you about. The Herd. Now, I was just floating about, as I do, and ping, had I looked at the Rich and Judy book list. No, I had not. And I do like to have a little look. I might not agree with all of the books they have on there, but there's always some gems. And I heard about this one. I was like, hmm, this, this sounds like a book I need to read. The Herd, Emily Edwards. Here we go. Here's the blurb. Buckle up for this one. Two best friends. Elizabeth and Bryony are polar opposites, but their unexpected friendship has always worked. They're the best of friends and godmothers to each other's daughters because they both trust that the safety of their children is their top priority. Little do they know that they differ over one very important issue. And when Bryony, afraid of being judged, tells what is supposed to be a harmless white lie before a child's birthday party, the consequences are more catastrophic than either of them could ever have imagined. Hmm, and some. And what's so interesting, I'm not giving anything away, is the book starts with a in, in a court. It's actually in a court scene, so you know... Things haven't just got a little bit challenging. You're not going round for cups of tea. You're in court. Anyway, here we go. Chapter one, Farley County Court, December 2019. They arrive in court separately. Bree first, early, perhaps to avoid the worst of the demonstrations outside. She keeps her dark, hollow eyes fixed right ahead of her, her head bowed as if in prayer. Ash's arm around her before she crumples into her seat just in front of the judge's bench. What did I think of this book? Well, I enjoyed it. It's a hard subject to read. You find yourself disagreeing, agreeing with people, wondering how things get so blown up, and yet you can see it. I like the way it was dealt with in the book. I like the journey, the progression. I like the different characters. Yeah, I liked it. It's not a typical, it's not a crime book. Do you know what I mean? It's just one of those sort of... And you can't even say it's dystopian because it's here and it's right now. But it just it just shows how things can become even bigger things. And there you go. That's the detail that you look for from me. But that's I really enjoyed it. And if uh, well, I don't want to give any more away about what it covered, but If the subject that this book covers comes up again in conversations with friends, my ears will prick up even more to hear the different views because, yeah, it just shows what could happen. So good read. The Herd, Emily Edwards. Yes. Now, the next one, The Measure 
by Nikki Ehrlich. Now, I need to find out because someone on the lovely Facebook group popped up this week saying, oh, have you read this one? I've really enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, yes. And I meant to put this on the podcast, so I need to do so immediately. And now, of course, I can't find it. But there we go. I'm going to look. I'm going to find out because I need to thank this person. Ah, of course. Of course. Johan. Johan and I seem to have very similar tastes on books and reads. So, yeah, um, let me let me read you the blurb on this one. OK, yes, just listen to this. It seems like just another morning around the world. People wake up, check the news, open the front door. On every doorstep is a box. Inside that box is the exact number of years that person has left to live. Whether they open it to hide it under their bed, each person must learn to live in this new world. A couple who thought they didn't have to rush their life together, a doctor who cannot save himself from his own fate, best friends whose dreams are forever entwined, and a politician whose box becomes the powder keg that ultimately changes everything. Both heartbreaking and profoundly uplifting, the measure poses the ultimate question. Would you want to know how long your life will be? If finding out was as simple as opening a box, would you open yours? First sentence. Here we go. It was difficult to imagine a time before them, a world in which they hadn't come. But when they first appeared in March, nobody had any idea what to do with them. These strange little boxes that came with the spring. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a very interesting concept and I was keen to find out what would be the impact of this box and this string and, you know, if people would open it, what would happen. And I thought it was all very believable. It wasn't that people reacted in a way and I thought, well, that's not going to happen. I thought really some time and energy had been given not just to the initial concept, but just imagining both immediately and over time what impact that would have on the world, on society, on relationships, all sorts of things. I thought it was really good, really interesting. And I just hope that box doesn't arrive because I was having a conversation with my husband about what would we do? And he said, oh, you'd open that box straight away. I was like, yes, I would. But then as I read the book, I thought, oh, would I? I don't know. I don't know. It's a difficult one. Would you open the box? Would you want to know? Trouble is, it's like chocolate. I would put it in a cupboard and then it would just speak to me saying, open me, open me. I don't know. But what what do you think? Let me know. Anyway, there we go. That's that's me waffling on for a bit. Now, the last book, The Gifts by Liz Hyder. Now, I'd heard a lot about this book and then I heard an interview with Liz who'd been at the Hay Festival. I hadn't been able to see her there. And then I was in the library. My eye fell on this book and I was like, hmm. This is happening. Here we go. October 1840. A young woman staggers alone through a forest in Shropshire as a huge pair of impossible wings rip themselves from her shoulders. Meanwhile, when rumours of a fallen angel cause a frenzy across London, a surgeon desperate for fame and fortune finds himself in the grip of a dangerous obsession, one that will place the women he seeks in the most terrible danger. Now, I really enjoyed this book. The writing is phenomenal. The concept, fantastic. It's written in an approachable way. I could fully immerse myself in the book. But, and this was definitely me, but I am just flagging it. There is something that crime writers often say to me, and they say, we've always been told you can kill off anybody, but never a dog. 
and I'm flagging up here. I'm giving something away. It's not pivotal to the story, but for me, there's some stuff that happens to a dog that stopped me in my tracks and I almost couldn't carry on reading. That's because I'm a softie. That's because I'm a dog softie. Anything with dogs, I'm just like, don't mess with a dog. And and they did mess with the dog and I didn't like it. And just when I'd come to terms with myself and told myself to grow up and carry on reading and just stop being so precious, there was another reference. And at that point, I just thought... I. This is troubling me so much. This causes me harm to my little soul. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, so if the sound of the book sounds great and you're OK with stuff that happens to dogs and you can just park. OK, nobody would choose that, but you can just take it and park it. You know, if it was a dragon, well, I wouldn't want anything to happen to a dragon, but I could cope with it. With other animals, again, I wouldn't like it, but I could cope with it better than a dog. Could I? Or is it just animals? Yeah, maybe it's, yeah, just do it to a person and then I'll be fine. Um, which makes me sound even worse. The local police are probably on their way round now. Social services, the whole lot. Anyway, it it is a haunting, wonderful book, but it's got these obstacles that were almost so big for me I I couldn't I could hardly get over them to see the beautiful writing so that was me being precious and and there we go but that's it those are your five books so we have had my other husband by Dorothy Coombson and Dorothy very kindly came on to join us then we had together again by Millie Johnson and Millie very kindly came on to answer five questions in five minutes we had a lovely chat took a bit longer than five minutes but it was worth it don't care who cares it was lovely then we had The Herd by Emily Edwards The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich and The Gifts by Liz Hyder the 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 herd the measure the gifts there we are it's as if i carefully selected it and um curated that collection for you so all those three books began with the with the but that would be a big lie and i didn't i wish i had but i didn't there you go and on that bombshell <laughs> that reveals that uh, i gave no thought to the word the that's a revelation for us all. I'm going to leave you. I think it's time I went and had a cup of coffee and uh, <laughs> sit down. I'm really hungry again. Whenever I do these podcasts, I get really hungry. I don't know why I record them at different times. I don't know. Talking about books just makes me really hungry. Well, I don't know what uh, a psychoanalyst would make of that. But anyway, she's waffled. She's done. She's going. She's gone. Have a wonderful week. Look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books. Said no one. Ever. See you again soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 